Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. You know, it's a creed that we have lived by ever since doing this show. All yeah. <laughs> live, cowboy. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France across the table from me. That's me. In Los Angeles. It is our own Todd Roberts. How do you say? Well, gentlemen, it is such a pleasure to be here with you, but I can't tell you what's going on here in my kitchen as I look into it because this is a family only, show. Yeah, well, the one and only Nola is uh, number one. She's got me drinking a margarita, and she's uh, dancing around the kitchen, and she's feeding me uh, salami. Okay. So I'm going to leave it just right there for the two of you. I, I, I and, got uh, this picture of Nola dancing around the kitchen in an apron, and I'll stop right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, listen, you know, uh, and, and it, it's not me you have to fear, uh, mm. Bunker. It's not me. You really, you know, okay. of course, uh, I, I said this because I know she doesn't have an ear set on, and also I'm about 600 miles away. Yeah, but she'll still listen. Yeah, well, she, she'll, she'll be, she'll, she'll have her ears on in about 20 seconds. Oh, well, we'll uh, and then she does sometimes re-listen to the show. Uh-huh. Uh, but she, we Race got that, up Harry. real early this morning, and we <laughs> went out to Pasadena to the... Uh, Inspiration Vintage Show, which Ooh. is somewhat of a quasi-swap meet, quasi-flea market, quasi-curio show. Cool. And uh, as always, uh, I come back, uh, my eyes, you know, you talk about the little boy who ate too much, his eyes were bigger than his head. Yeah. Well, this little boy, his eyes are much greater than his check and his credit cards <laughs> combined. So, so you, you brought a whole bunch of goodies back? No, he no, wanted to. No, I was really on good behavior. Oh, really on good behavior. But I, it's that was easy one of to be on favorite. good behavior. Yeah, that's, that was one yeah. of my favorite it's things e- with uh, Victor French and Neil Summers and myself, our excursions over to Pasadena because they would yeah. let us go down into the basements of the bookstores. Yes. Right, right. Well, and and but you see, I had the drill sergeant with me. Yeah. So. Nothing gets by her. Yep, but I did pick up something. I did pick up the great well, Peter Hasek coffee table book of Frederick Emington Art. Oh, oh nice. Good. I'm glad that's yeah. all you picked up. Otherwise, you need some shots. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, listen, uh, you you're in L.A. You don't know what's going on here. You know, that, yeah. ain't that the truth? Mm. Uh, and I, by the way, we passed three homeless cities. They're not camps the anymore. They're cities. They're incorporated. Yeah, they're cities. They have mayors yeah. and whatnot now, don't they? Yes. They have a council. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm watching a really bad, ugly episode of the Flintstones. Oh, but that's yeah. okay. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. Hey, what well, are we going to talk about today? We're not going to talk about a damn thing because it's n- nougat nougat. It, 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 it's uh, no topic for old men, as my yeah, wife likes yeah. to call it. Well, and, you know, actually, uh, I, have, I have a... <laughs> I, I have a Navy quotation that is so appropriate for us. Okay. It's from President Theodore Roosevelt. And being a Navy man, and and also just he's one of my heroes, the quotation is, A good Navy is not a provocation to war. It is the surest guarantee of of peace. Well, of course. Yeah. I would agree. We need more more Navy, more Air Force, more Army, more Marine, 
and more kick ass. You know, that kind of thinking did not come about until Roosevelt's time. Mm -hmm. If you look back at the politics of the 1860s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, we were not, our country was not poised for that kind of thing, uh, to be the police officer of the world. That was a Roosevelt thing, yeah. and uh, I think one of his big mistakes was to change <clears throat> to uh, uh, get the United States to become the the police officer of the world. Babysitter. None of our damn business. What you do? Who cares? Well, you know, I, as long as if it affects the United States directly, that's a different story. And you know, it's funny, but and a lot of people, I maybe consider me an Uber hawk, but. Theodore Roosevelt was about expansion, yeah. expansionism, yeah. and you know, and that's and, and again, it makes me very hawkish. But to me, the whole idea of war is acquisition; it's not defense. Well, yeah, and what the United States did during the 1870s, 1880s, after the Civil War, was focus on defense. Yeah. There, there were so many of these Civil War Western fortresses. Western expansion Exactly. There were so many of these Civil War fortresses that had been built and were now being abandoned because they were no longer necessary. So what happens is the government embarks on a brand new building spree, and uh, that was... Uh, railroads. Uh, well, railroads, but uh, Endicott, Secretary of War mm -hmm. Endicott, put forth a program of building uh, new fortresses with larger weaponry, oh, and that was cannons. and that was all for defense. Obviously, you don't take that to the field or anything, no. you know. And so that that was the posture at that time, and, and now now everything is every which way but loose. We should build our forts on wheels. That way, we could take them wherever <laughs> we go. Yeah, there you I go. I thought that was called a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but we should have our bar on wheels, too, yes. Well, there is one in Cheyenne Autumn that John John Ford put in. Yes. There's a bar on wheels. Well, hey, you know, hey, talk, you know, before you do that, Bunker, Todd, talk about that quote that you sent me uh, via Facebook message about John Ford. I, I, I cannot remember what it was, but I had a good response, I thought. You know, yes, you, no, I thought you did have a very good response. Ford basically was, in that quote, was talking about um, a, an extension of his filmmaking style, that, which starts out in... Uh, which starts out in how he he shoots a scene, and that scene is shot in such a way that he treats it like a framed painting. And the painting, uh, he has people coming in and out of the painting. Sometimes they enter stage left and exit stage left. Sometimes they enter stage right and exit stage right. Sometimes they enter stage left and exit stage right, and vice versa. Right, and. He keeps the camera stationary. Mm -hmm. he, there is very little camera movement. It, he sets up a shot like a frame on a big screen TV or in a six B, 16 by 9 film uh, theater screen. And he allows the actors to do the motion, to mm -hmm. do the movement and to expound. He says, you know, I want the actors to expound their energy, not the cameraman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is an ex the extension of that. What Harry's talking about is he talked about how many, how much film he would expose mm -hmm. because uh, George Eastman complained to him more than once 
that, you know, I love it that you use our film, but then again, I hate it when your film comes to our lab for development and, and editing because you use so little of it. In other words, we're not making as much money when right. you make a movie right. of ours than when other people make movies uh-huh. of our film. And he's, he, he responded with, you know, the reason I do this is because uh, I'm not all, I'm not really, I don't make a practice of spending a lot of time in the editing room. And when you, back then in the studio system, when you gave the picture in bulk back to the studio and they, uh, the studio executives and the editors and all the other, as my father called them, vice presidents, <laughs> which is a, a polite word for something we can't discuss. On nephews, a we're all show. nephews. Yeah. Um, and he said, I, if you give them too much, they start they start arranging your film scene wise out of sequence, yeah. not how you envisioned it. And they mm-hmm. also decide which ones are important and which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. So the less I give them, the less they have to work with, and therefore it is closer to my original and ultimate vision. That's very good. And I think that the master. Uh, you know, uh, I, for my money, uh, I still say it's the greatest filmmaker of all time. And I know there's plenty that are not listening to our show that would say that's offensive. <laughs> and I hope they find it offensive. And I hope they um, listen to the show and find it offensive. And I, I hope they start listening to the show just to be haters. But beyond <laughs> that, um, you know. The show you love to hate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think what it's, it talks about is, is that he. He wanted to, you know, people always love to, uh, in historical terms about Hollywood or producers in general, love to berate Orson Welles mm-hmm. as the difficult filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because he, 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 knew he what did he the knew. opposite of what a Ford did. He allowed them to mix it up and then he would then try to stop them and be in their way and so on. Ford just said, no, I'm circumventing the process here. I'm not allowing you guys the opportunity to be disdainful. I'm not allowing you the opportunity to critique it in the in the editing room. Here it is. You're going to have to piece it together. And you know, that's how the quilt, as it were, as a film, uh-huh. became the greatest filmmaker of all time. Mm-hmm. Six Oscars. Let me reiterate yeah, it again. Right. Yep. Six Oscars. Two for documentaries. Four for motion pictures. And, and the, and the no editing on the documentaries was his editing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not only was it his editing, and of course, Bunker, as you, we've talked about so many times on the show. Not only is it his editing, but the reason it was his editing in the in the documentaries. He's shooting the film. He was shooting the film, and he was there risking his life to shoot it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and his crew members who died. Uh, he also felt they. No editor or studio exec had the right to, uh, if they lost their life, to edit their film. Well, you know, there's an interesting thing. You know, it's kind of, kind of lost in that. But you know, 
because we make the editors sound like like the bad guys and there were some really really great editors but as you mentioned one of the things that happened is the great editors would you know and, and a lot of them would work so close with the director that what they would deliver to the studio would be pretty much what the director wanted but then all the heads and suits would sit there and look at it and make comments and take and the secretaries are taking notes and all of a sudden somebody else is going in there and re-editing and recutting dropping scenes uh Taking actors complete, like uh, uh, Dolby Carey did a movie, and he's in the credits. He never showed up on one frame of film. They oh cut them all out, but they left him in the credits. Wow. So why aren't there? Why was Ford that powerful of an individual that he was able to uh, buck the system like that, or, or did he just say, "Screw you, people. This is how I'm doing it." He worked the. He knew well, how to I, work I it. Think- he, he exactly bunker. He knew how to work in it. He positioned himself in alignment with studio execs who would stand by him uh, to the board of directors and the guys who basically had funded funded the studio. All right, Zanuck, ex- perfect example. Yep. And then of course the great um, his great uh, uh, producing partner Marion C. Cooper, mm-hmm. who had positioned himself properly. At Warner Brothers, so he could do he could do battle. Somebody he, like somebody like uh, uh, Wells had not um, he had not positioned himself properly. Well, you know, I think he, you know he fought with them. He thought his intelligence and his intellect would overcome them, yeah, and it didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think what hurt Wells was that he was a consummate theater director, and he brought that consummate skill to film, but. In the theater, the director, uh, he's, he's, he's king, he's God. And in right. film, the director is just a, a, a lackey for most part, for most well, films. Well, if he allows himself to be uh, subjugated in that fashion, yes, he is. You're, you're right. But then again, we know some of our greatest directors oh, yeah. would not allow that to happen. Kurosawa, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Paul. Uh, Ford, but but Peckinpah got murdered by the by the suits because when he would finish a picture, they yes. would bar him from the lot, take over the editing, and right. he was it was only a, one or two of his pictures that he was ever happy with because he said this is the movie I shot, not the movie the studio made. Wow. Right. Well, and 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 you know he didn't again. He he thought his his talent and his vision would override would get them to wake up and it would override their obstinance and their obstructionism well he but thought they I'm, were afraid of him and they weren't no they weren't afraid of him and the reason they weren't afraid of him is because they positioned themselves properly uh, it's important to remember that uh, you know when they cut out the 11 minutes of the wild bunch which basically oh. pieces the entire film together <laughs> so we understand why everybody's doing what they're doing mm-hmm. bad behavior and good mm-hmm. uh, he referred to it as you know they they cut 11 movie minutes out of my movie so I could sell more popcorn mm-hmm. which for the drive in theaters in a, yeah for a, for a for the you know for the uh uh, eclectic view of it, yes, that is why. But then again, that's only at the end of the at the end of that day 
they saved 11 minutes per showing, so they had more time to sell more popcorn and hot dogs, but not for each film no. uh, showing. It's the overall process of the day. What? But don't forget that in 69, uh, 68, they hire a uh, guy who had graduated Harvard at MGM for, uh, he had a uh, MBA in finance. He was a, he was an account. He had a master's degree in finance and, and fire all and, the accountants. Yeah, only after you fired all the lawyers. Yeah. Um, and he is the one who created an environment of bean counting, penny pinching, and it's important. I love to say this because I hope it hurts. Um, is that uh, five years later, MGM? goes bankrupt and has to sell off their back lot, all their costuming and all their props. Mm-hmm. And well, they had to recycle footage to create two movies to make money, which was That's Entertainment 1 and That's Entertainment 2. You know, it, it's just, it, that makes me kind of get back into the Wayback Machine because I'm thinking now, going back to Poverty Row in the 30s, coming mm-hmm. out of the silence, and all of these guys were shooting movies, and if it wasn't for the film library uh, and stock footage, uh, so many of those movies would never have gotten made. But the, they were doing it because it wasn't it wasn't arbitrary. It was a necessity because they didn't have the the money. But they did. They took great pains to make sure that uh, uh, Roy Rogers was wearing the same outfit that Buck Jones wore in the in the 1930 movie, so that it would match. All right, we got to yes. do our first commercial break. We are streaming live to you from the White Stallion Ranch. Beautiful. Beautiful White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson. It is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And uh, Harry Alexander, Bunker of France, and Todd Roberts, we'll be back with you. No topic for old men, our topic. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. 
Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Today, more than ever before, women are on the front lines of America's defense. These brave women struggle and sacrifice to help keep our country secure. They deserve to be recognized for their service as guardians of freedom. Please support the American Legion's efforts to serve the growing number of women veterans. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like westerns, right? You're to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Keep your hands on the desk, Gorman. I thought I told you to stay out of town. Listen, you three, I don't mind being ambushed. Sometimes I think it's fun. But I don't think it's fun when there's a lady along. This is the Voices of the West. These voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you, streaming to you live from the White Stallion Ranch, a bit of, uh, who the devil is that, that's, uh, uh, Bill Boyd and the Cowboy Ramblers. Oh, I thought it was you playing the fiddle. Oh, no, I wish it was, man. Yeah, I wish it was, too. <laughs> today's, uh, today's topic is, uh, zilch. It's like a Seinfeld episode, not, not a... Uh, but that's okay. Yeah, well, that's sometimes we that's when we have the most fun because we we don't have to be serious or anything. Now you know we were talking last segment about uh, lots of B roll and and so forth. Uh, we watched a movie last night, um, Heroes of the Alamo, 1937. Earl Hodgins, Lane Chandler, Roger Williams, Rex Lease, and I mean it was yeah it was okay, 1937. Basically, the story is, in the spring of 1833, the smoldering resentment of American settlers in Texas against their oppression by Mexico dictator General Santa Ana, as they call him, <laughs> coming to a head uh, when a decree is issued. Well, we know what all happens. <clears throat> Lots of um, interesting, uh, oh, the female lead in it has a lot of... Uh, flowery uh, verbiage that is not really worth that much to repeat. <laughs> the point I want to bring up... the There the, is a point to this story. There is. Okay. They're showing the attack uh, by the Mexican army uh, against the Alamo, and I, got, I swear, it's got to be a silent film. Silent footage. Mm-hmm. There must have been an Alamo filmed way, way... Way back before I, I, our daddies uh, saw a gleam in their eyes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I just happened to hand here in my hand some notes for a movie called Martyrs of the Alamo, made in 1915. Well, now. It was 102 minutes long, 
It was directed by Christy Calbane. The producer was D.W. Griffith. Huh. And it was from a novel and story by Theodosia, Theodosia Harris. The cast was Walter Long as Santi Annie, uh, Sam DeGrassi as Def Smith, Alfred Pageant was James Bowie, Alan Sears was Davy Crockett, Juanita Hansen was Juanita Hansen, I guess. <laughs> and you know, I'll skip to the rest of the people. Oh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. was Joe in oh, wow. Doug, Senior was Joe in that. Wow. Senior. Nineteen fifty. And it, it was what is the story is the mission becomes a fortress is defended by one hundred and eighty five Texans against huge Mexican army in eighteen thirty six. We knew all of that. Well, this is the oldest surviving Alamo movie. It has impressive battle sequences, which were groundbreaking during the mm-hmm. silent era. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, it, 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 if you didn't know better, you'd think it was a John Ford movie with the number of extras in it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's an actual battle line how they would have set up, and it was really. My wife and I were probably mm, not in the right frame of mind, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they fired. They, they fought, or maybe we were. I'm not sure. They fired uh, from the Alamo. They fired the cannon, and the ball hits almost in the middle of the uh, Mexican troop. And I expected to see him get up and start scattering like cattle, <laughs> cattle stampede. But that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, that's one. That's that's one of my pet peeves nowadays. You know, when they do, they like to have a Civil War battle yeah. or or a cavalry with shooting cannons at the Indians, and the shell hits, and it's a great big gas ball. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, give us a break. Well, part of the problem with this movie they, was the weaponry. They were using trap doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the trap door did not come about for oh another sixty years. <laughs> these, these were prototypes, I guess. Yeah. But That's anyway. why the Mexican army was trying. That must be. That it. was the secret Indiana Jones. Aspect. That must be it. Todd Roberts, what have you got for us for a uh, a no topic here? Well, I would just you know let, let me give you the. I have good news and bad news for you. All right. And all of our audience and the Western genre uh, lovers. Um, I'll take the is, middle category. No news. Okay. Well, that means you get no banana. Oh, because, oh but uh, bananas, no, if, unless Noah grows the banana, I don't care. Well, she, she'll put walnuts in it and chocolate chips and make you banana Ooh. bread. Mm, yeah, yeah. He's, so, he's thinking. Uh, uh, well, it's important to be thinking. Um, my story concerns the 800-pound gorillas in the room, yeah. which is... Uh, uh, the the good news, bad news is about our the lover the love of our of our Western TV genre right now, which is Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two eight hundred pound gorillas in the room are Kevin Costner and Taylor Sheridan. And I think that the show is either going to number one not continue, in other words, Yellowstone. The other shows will, or uh, Kevin Costner. John Dutton's character will no longer be with the show because they can't get along. Um, no, that basically, happens. Kevin Costner wants to start his own. He's already in pre-production for his own uh, show, which is inspired by How the West Was Won, which is the show that he saw when he was young and inspired him to make a film. 
I hope it is not the same inspiration that uh, drove uh, Wyatt Earp. <laughs> Bunker, you and I uh, uh, can't uh, be hurt any more than by that film than we already have been. <laughs> yeah, um, is you know, but I would say to you that that this could this could give us more to watch and make us happier and give us a bigger menu at the buffet table or it could end up giving us less well you know the, we don't the, know one of the blessings is the franchises that have come out of that 1883 1923 uh the nate king, nate king, long thing is coming up tulsa tulsa, tulsa tulsa king uh sam bass and so on but uh yeah i they they he wants to you know he wants to to shall i say uh uh sprout his legs out and uh, uh, the way I hear it is Taylor Sheridan uh, feels like you know I'm I I'm the bigger gorilla. So we'll see what he happens. is the gorilla right now. Yeah. Well, he is, but then again, you know, don't forget that uh, Mr. Costner did get his uh, Yellowstone uh, documentary style nature show on Fox, mm-hmm. and it's it's fabulous. Yeah. Um, so you know we'll just have to see, but I. It, you know, it's unfortunate that um, uh, you know we can't get along. Well, you know, this, this this is something to hold your breath on and hope for. This is a, a project Jack Black wants to get off the ground, and I hope he does it. It's Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> well, this is a uh, yeah. Uh, I hope he gets it off the ground. Yeah, and I hope it's a lot better than that. Uh, um, than that. Uh, 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 Brolin um, thing. Oh, Jonah, Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex, my yeah. God. Well, yeah, know. Jonah Hex was a steampunk western, and, and yeah. uh, I don't know if people outside of the steampunk community, I don't know if the western community is ready for steampunk. I wish they were, because there's some fab- fabulous stories out there. Heavy Metal Magazine, for years, uh, all, you know, car- cartoon uh, magazine, but uh, but some of the stories in their uh, cross-genre stories are just, you look at them and, you, and they look like a storyboard and you go, oh, God, I wish they would film this. Well, Wild Wild West was steampunk. Yeah, and, but it was also, it did not make money. It was a, it was a, it was a giant wild, wild turkey. Yes. Boy. Well, uh, but that's also, uh, you know, because the, the studio allowed the director Mm-hmm. And the actor to remake their the film they had just finished making prior to making that film. That was uh, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld and uh, 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 Will Smith, who had done uh, Men in Black, and they said just make it like Men in Black, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what they did. So it was all kitschy and mm-hmm. and and hip and young and. Uh, you know, uh, with a, a nice splash of urban and all the rest of it. And, and you know, when you leave the Western alone, it does really well yeah. by itself. It's it when does. you decide to, you know, uh, put mayonnaise uh, on a roast beef sandwich, you run into a lot of trouble. So what's That's the just... premise behind the uh, Red Dead Redemption movie? Uh, well, as I... Well, I, I that is, I'm not sure of because they, they, they it's like I told you coming out, they, yeah. they did a little <clears throat> short uh, using clips from various uh, of the games mm-hmm. to make it into kind of like a little story as a 
kind of like a teaser to do it as an animated feature, which this is, this is 2010, it never happened. But uh, apparently there's been a, a movement among some people to do a live feature mm-hmm. and use, I think, the foundational, you know, revenge mm-hmm. mm-hmm. storyline. Right. And uh, go with it is that. Uh, and the, the, what's it? What fascinates me is that Jack Black. Uh, he, he's an actor. A lot of people don't take serious. Yeah. But he's done a couple of films where he was playing. Stri- oh, he, his King Kong. Yeah. Was one of the, his character was one of the best yeah. things in the movie. Now, he does serious well. I Red Dead Redemption. I I love Red Dead Redemption. Uh, the I have the Xbox game, mm-hmm. uh, the, the latest one, the latest version of it, and uh, I'm still stuck in the cattle. Well, I can't find the damn cattle pen, uh, so my character keeps running you, around. You, you're the most inept rustler. Apparently so. I, I just cannot find the damn cattle pen. So. I don't think you ever want to go near the cattle pen. Harry. Well, you, you'd think because you'd be able the, to find the it. The problem you know? with the cattle, yeah, but you Harry, might end up in the slaughterhouse. Yeah, right. I was going to say, Harry, just, just skip the cattle pen. Just take it yeah. on the cattle drive to, to uh, yeah, Abilene. No. And let the buyers pin them. No, no, no. Got it. Got Sell the herd outside of town. Got, got to do that. And hey, speaking of herd, we got to do another uh, commercial break here. Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Good segue, wasn't it? Uh, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts with you, streaming to you live from the White Stallion Ranch. Beautiful. We'll be back with much more after this important message. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights you out there come one step near and old best here'll spit right in your eye so you need to strike your own deal but you need the right henchman to do the job the stage is hauling a wells fargo box loaded with gold you've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold but blank henchman to pull off the job what to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. 
When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Howdy, folks. This is Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel, and you're listening to the Voices of the West, of which I am one. Francis, voices of the West, as I spit out potato chips here. Uh, I got hit in the eye with your <laughs> Harry Alexander. Oh, ow! Welcome <laughs> to France, Todd Roberts with you. These are damn good potato chips. Oh, let's do a commercial for the White Stallion homemade, home-cooked you know, potato chips. They're damn good. They are good. I mean, what else can you say? They got the right amount of uh, salt. They're fried good. They're not greasy. And uh, they got all the chemicals we want. Yeah, yeah, just food. Yeah, and they're crunchy. They, you know, have you got one left? Here, I'm gonna just. Yeah, you go here. go for that. Not that one. Not okay. that one. Okay, well, let's, we're gonna do it in stereo here. No, no, go okay. ahead. Stop listen, touching my chips. Listen, listen, listen. I know. See, you won't get it. You won't get a crunch like that. Those are of, awesome. Out of a commercial potato chip. Now, speaking of crunches. Yes, Captain. I want to talk about henchmen. Oh, okay. <laughs> segue. Very good. You know, that that's what I think is one of the things that is lacking in Westerns nowadays is you don't have good henchmen. That's because there are no character actors exactly. anymore. I was watching, I watched two Gene Autry's this morning, you know, the half hour TV show. And in the first, the first one, it had Kenny Duncan, Harry Lauder, uh, Alan Hale Jr., you know, Great guys. The second one had Chill Wills, uh, Kermit Maynard, uh, James Gregory, not James Gregory, I can't think of the Gregory, anyhow. but these great character actors. And this is what's so neat, too, is Chill Wills has got on Pat Buttram's outfit, because mm-hmm. Pat was out for about 10 weeks with an accident. And But, you know, I have, I get up, I make a special point, 7 o'clock Saturday morning, Two half hours, Gene Autry's. It's my, it's my Saturday. <laughs> it's almost like routine. cartoons. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, we were talking about that on the way out here, and um, <clears throat> the, one of the movies that we watched last night, there were bunches of people in there who were not credited, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the credits and whatnot. Uh, Tex Cooper oh. is one of these guys. Now, for, for those who don't know who Tex Cooper might be, if you look at a picture of Colonel Sanders. And put a cowboy hat on him instead of a plantation hat. That's Tex Cooper. Oh, speaking of that, yesterday I was in Wendy's. And this is not a plug. Uh, and I was having, and there was a lady over there, and she reminded me. I said, "Are you named Susan?" She looked just like a gal that used to come into the store yeah. years ago. So she says, "No." And so she, and so of course she has to come back. She says, "You know, you look like." Colonel Sanders. Well, my hearing is terrible. I thought she said Bernie Sanders, and I was getting a little upset. And she says, no, Colonel Sanders. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's not bad. Better than Bernie. 
Yeah, all right. <clears throat> Todd Roberts, here's one for you. Just yes, after sir. 8 p.m. on Tuesday night uh, this past week, officials with the Reading Police Department, that's in California, you know, said their office, well, for those who may not, uh, the Reading Police Department said their officers were called to a Burger King off of Eureka Way for report of a man seen walking around with a handgun on his bag. Officers said they responded to the area and contacted the suspect identified as Ryan Battles. After searching Battles' bag, police said they found an antique black powdered pepper box revolver, black powder, and iron pellets. And they arrested and they arrested him for carrying a concealed weapon. <laughs> what a dangerous man. Thank yeah. God they took him off the street. Not only overly dangerous, but nine. <clears throat> overly, uh, overly, uh, overly evil and conniving because I could probably shave quicker than he could reload that. La- ladies and gentlemen, but here's the deal. He'd probably blow himself up. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms and explosives or whatever the hell they call themselves does not, repeat, does not, do not, never will have yes, jurisdiction sir. over antique firearms. No. And that's what this was, was an antique firearm. They are. I could walk down the streets carrying my 36 cal on my hip, my 44 on my hip. You can't do a damn thing about it. It is not a weapon that is run by the government or worried about by the government. Well, you know, they, they, the ATF is and if you do, I'll shoot you. has become the new the new arm, or not the new arm because it's been doing this for a long time, but the, the, the most effective arm of the Biden anti-gun. Uh, they're they're bunches of buttheads. Yeah. I mean, let's just face it. They're bunches of buttheads. Arrested for a carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. It's not even a freaking... It's not even... Dis- it is not described as a weapon in all the literature. Well, well you know, this right. is, think about this. When they talk about concealed weapons, uh, they're talking primarily about handguns. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 I guess if you had a cannon under your coat. <laughs> and, but, and I have. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. You have constant second, the Second Amendment, the right to have and bear arms. But. You can in Arizona. You can open carry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other states you can open carry. Right. But put a broadsword on your back. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. No. But that's a weapon. It is. Why yeah. is why why you and it's not an auto, it's not an automatic broadsword either. Uh, it's got an assault broadsword. It's just well, because broadsword. as as the great Don Norris, the knife maker, used to always say to me. Uh, remember, it's a knife. It's always loaded. Yeah, right. And the sword is the same. Yep, always loaded. You know, uh, unfortunately, um, we don't teach history in this country anymore, no. so no one knows what anything it is, and therefore their automatic knee-jerk reaction to everything that is foreign and different and unknown is, ooh, that's dangerous, that's not good, so let's get ban rid it. of it or mm-hmm. ban it or imprison the person who has it. Well, yes. think about uh, yeah. this is just a chronic issue. Well, think about this. I, I'm 82 years old. I have carried a pocket knife since I was about five years old. Maybe <laughs> earlier. I don't remember. But I've had all those years. <clears throat> never once have I used that as a weapon. It has always been a tool. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they, if they, I got stopped for some reason, and we had an overzealous or 
what for whatever reason, because I, I respect our police and they do a they do a hell of a job under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. But under the right circumstances, I could be arrested yeah. for carrying a, a concealed weapon. Oh, that's on my hip, but open carry. But that's not the point. You know, it's, it's, it's a tool. Since when is it carrying a tool? Well, actually, you walk down the street with a, with a spanner in your hand. That's, that's, that's a tool, but that's also a weapon. Yeah. How about the automobile? I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we're going all over the place with Baseball it. Baseball you know, bats. Yeah. Kids going to batting practice. You know, it, 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 it's here, here's the bottom line. It's freaking stupid what these people are trying to pull. And, America, you better wake up. Yeah, it's insane. Well, there's no, uh, there is an abandonment in a large uh, contingency of this country that does not want to allow people to make their own decisions. To be free, exactly. To be free and and have responsibility and make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. We know what's best for you, and uh, we're going to put that upon you. Uh, and we're, you know, until people get fed up with it enough to stand up to it, it's going to continue. It's that yep. simple. Yep. Well, speaking of standing up, mm-hmm. I'll switch gears to adult Western novels. Uh oh. <laughs> I just want to mention because family I, show now. Right? <laughs> just keep remember that. <laughs> well, you know, this this is a genre that was uh, got popular in the middle '60s. And I got it. Just it's it swelled to where it was the biggest seller in Western fiction for mm-hmm. for about fifteen twenty up until the seventies mm-hmm. and uh, until that's the one with until the, until Walmart stopped carrying them. That's the one with the uh, the book covers. It's a picture of a cowboy and some uh, voluptuous babe wrapped around him or oh, wrapped around a horse. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of violence and massacres and mm-hmm. stuff. But I just wanted to mention these these were uh, some of the guys that were the Writers that were stood out because they, they, their their name was the biggest thing on the book. Mm-hmm. Jack Logan, Tabarelle Evans, J.R. Roberts, John Sharp, and some of these series ran into a hundred and fifty of the same character novels, which was which was it wasn't Jack Logan writing them; it was a uh, cadre of pseudonyms mm-hmm. writing them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and, and some of them were actually they were fun. I remember reading a couple of them, quite torrid, you know, I, but still enjoyable. <laughs> I remember seeing those when I would go to the grocery store with my mom, and I would go over to the book rack, the magazine Look rack. Look at the covers, and I'd see the covers whilst I'm reading the co- looking for the comics that I want. Yeah, and I'd see those covers, and I think they were better than the comics. I'm thinking that ain't no western. Hey, she's pretty hot, but that ain't no western. <laughs> And the, and, and the women were deadly. Oh, oh God, they were deadly. They were they were they were like straight out of a James Bond movie. Deadly. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were the good old days, fellas. I have five hundred and seventy-five movies on my watch list. That you've Westerns seen or you want to watch that we've watched. Oh wow, how many? Five hundred and seventy-five. Oh, okay. I thought you said five thousand. I was about to. Yeah, right. Freak out. Uh, and then throw in the sixty-six. Uh, uh, hoppy movies, and that's whatever that adds up to be. I'm a TUSD graduate, so math is not my strong skill. Well, if you, if you had a 10-gallon hat, it would just about fill it. Okay. 
Well, yeah, and let's also not forget that, uh, you know, Mrs. Harry is extremely uh, uh, tolerant, com- supportive, and uh, uh, sweet. Oh, she gets because- really uh, Im- impertinent when it's Western night and we're not watching a Western. <laughs> like yeah, last, last night, we watched, okay, what did we watch? We watched uh, Desert Justice, 1936, Jack Perry. We watched Heroes of the Alamo, 1937, and she says, okay, so, yeah, it's in the West, but, and trailed off. And then we watched Songs and Saddles. Now, in my zeal to find movies, I came across this movie, Songs and Saddles, and I see Gene Autry, and I thought, well, cool. We always like Gene Autry movies. And although it was one I didn't recognize. That's turns, why you watched it. It's, and it turns out it was Gene Austin, not Gene Autry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It was, I mean, he was. It's just a small mistake. It's yeah. Like, it's like we used to say when we'd get together at French's and watch Westerns. Well, we have just another one we burned off. You know, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so that, that, that one, uh, we watched it. So you don't have to. Because we came, we watched. <laughs> we watch them so y'all don't have to. We got to do our final commercial break here on AML Francis Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts from the Lies White Stallion Ranch. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank of Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net Hello, 
I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses. So they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're to... I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five were the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. You know what you've done? Yeah, potted a polecat. And don't force me to make it two. You've shut an officer of the law. I'm gambling on him not being an officer. You've overplayed your hand. Now get out, quick. Give me those papers. I'm keeping them. Go on, you're cluttering up the trail. Who? This is the Voices of the West. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, Frank Clement, the ballad of Frank Clement, uh, Cowboy Copus. You might be asking, who in the hell is Frank Clement? Some people might even be asking, who's Cowboy Copus? Well, if you don't know who Cowboy Copus is, there's, no, there's no hope for you. Uh, <laughs> Frank Clement was uh, an American lawyer and a politician who served as the 41st governor of Tennessee. From 1953 to Back 59. Back when Tennessee need cowboys instead of governors. There you go. And he also served as the governor from 63 to 67. And he died uh, two years later. He was... He was uh he, he was a Democrat, but, you know, back in those days, being a Democrat was not a dirty word. Uh, not too dirty. <laughs> well, as long as we're talking about important people from history, let's mention Henry, Henry Wallace. All right. You know Henry Wallace? I do. Yeah, Vice President Harry Truman. Yes. Secretary of the Treasury. Yes. One of the foundations of American ar- uh, agriculture. Yes. 
Uh, good man. All right. Yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> throw it out there. <laughs> throw it out there. A little cowboy wisdom. <laughs> well, speaking of cowboy wisdom, I want to give you something. All right. Take pride in your work. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Always finish what you start. When riding through hell, keep riding. There you go. There you go. Uh, what is the true test of a man's honor was how much he would risk to keep it. Hey, boy. Amen. You know, it- I would. Uh, my favorite cowboyism is <clears throat> don't squat with your spurs on. There you there go. There you go. Okay. Uh, you know, each one of those. Uh, has has quite a bearing. We watch uh, as much in order as we can um, the episodes of uh, Rawhide, mm-hmm. and I mean, talk about cowboy ethic, mm-hmm. code, 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 everything in there. I mean, these guys might be the best of friends, but if you go against that particular code, be tough but fair. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, well. And the same thing is on Gunsmoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you same make a promise, Gunsmoke. keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Your word is your word. Your mm-hmm. word's your bond. Ride and for the brand. Ride for the brand. I wish it could uh, be that way still. And here's one that doesn't apply to us. Talk less, say more. <laughs> if we did that, it'd be an hour to dinner. Yeah, it'd be a five-minute show. <laughs> You know, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's listening to us and, and wishes and that wishing to happen. That, yes. <laughs> yeah, no as, no as no. my mother said to me so many times when I would say, "Oh, uh, you know what? I, we got to get back home. I got to do the show today." <laughs> what <laughs> show? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, you, know, you know, I I've been doing a radio show now for a few years. Uh, yeah, I got to you know I do this radio show. I get on the radio and I talk to my friends and we talk about the. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Todd. I can. <laughs> can I ask you something? She Do did, people she listen did, to She never show? watched Phantom Empire. No, she would have understood. No. She said, you know, do people really, do Do people listen to the show? I said, yes, they do. They really do. She said, golly, I just don't understand. I said, what is it you don't understand, Mom? She said, well, I, I, I can listen to you for free, and I refuse to. I don't understand why anyone would pay money to do it. Well, you know, here's, here's, this, this, is, this is one I think that really, really stands out among all the others because it doesn't seem to apply anymore. Some things are not for sale. You bet. Yeah. 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 Well, and as, as, Monty Wall, as Lee Marvin, as Monty Walsh says, I ain't spitting on my life. Yep. Yeah. And that's yeah. the same. That's the same sentiment, just said differently. And uh, you're right. You're right. right. And that's all. And and as you said before, ride for the brand. Mm-hmm. You well, know, when you as uh, William Holden says in the Wild Bunch, when you sign on with a man, you stick with him. Yeah. You're no better than the animals you're riding. That's right. And you know where to draw the line. There you go. There yeah. That's right. And you respect women. Yes, the old-fashioned right. way, not the not the way not the way that's done today. No, not today. No, no. They, you go they, back to Victorian kind to children worship women. That's wrong. It, you go yeah, back and to you're the kind Victorian. to children and old people, mm-hmm. and you're also patriotic. Yeah, and you don't kick dogs. No. <laughs> no, no. You can take my wife. You can take my horse. Don't take my dog. Better not kick my horse. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh well. I guess we're just going to keep wishing that. 
it was the way it used to be, and obviously that well, can never know, happen. In my, in, <clears throat> except in, that the three of us always, even though this is all modern times, the three of us always try and live our lives to those particular codes. Well, you know, in our minds, in our hearts, and as much as possible in our actions, yeah. we try yeah. to live that way. That we do. That we do. All right, that's about it for this edition of uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It was a, uh, a show about uh, absolutely nothing, and we covered absolutely nothing. 78? No, you got time yet. Well, I got time. You got oh, you God. can count down. I can, back. I can start around 64 then. You, well, not anymore. But. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me leave you with this one thought. Oh, the only I, one. You know, I only have half of a one, Doctor. I'm giving well, away. You you have never had have one thought. Day. You have had a dozen thoughts. You know, listen, don't you can't eat just one chip. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think it's important in what we're talking about at this point in time that you know, as difficult as it may seem to live this way, it's real simple. Yeah, you just have to. Make Apply. the decision that I'm going to, I'm going to do things that I know are right, and not do things that I know are wrong. Mm-hmm. It ain't rocket surgery. No, no, you don't need to go to college and figure it out. As my father used to say to me, you know, Todd, uh, there's a reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth. It's really easy to close the mouth and open your ears. You might learn something. Mm-hmm. There you go. And on that note, seventy-eight. 79, 80 nothings. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will talk at you next week on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. So long. Thanks for listening to Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. 